98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bigly Blast. Football is uniquely American. It's also a strange sport in that not everyone who plays the game enjoys the game, a game that is built on violence and mayhem. And that is why there's a big difference between playing well and wanting to play, period, full stop. And that's why it's great to hear Kyler Murray talking about taking crazy strides and recovering from his high ankle sprain. It's great to hear him talk about how much he hates not playing football on Sunday, and you need that trait from your leader. Murray also knows he's in an MVP chase with Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, maybe Josh Allen. Missing two games in a row is not ideal, not if you're pursuing the ultimate individual prize in the sport, the kind that will guarantee an enormous contract extension. But Cliff Kingsbury might have a tough decision to make. Trust in Colt McCoy to play a second excellent game in succession and make Kyler sit out another game, or trust in Murray's ability to fully understand his limitations on a football field. Remember, you cannot win a Super Bowl in November, but you sure don't want to lose one before Thanksgiving. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW. Test drive the ultimate driving machine at Chapman BMW in Chandler, at Chapman BMW on Camelback. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, Obviously day-to-day right now, but uh, I think I've made crazy strides as far as, you know, in a positive direction uh, since it happened. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, And like I said, just day-to-day, just going to keep working it out. That's another one that drives me crazy, day-to-day. We're yeah. all day to day. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> and on the injury one, somebody put out a good one. Th- this started maybe about ten years ago. He's out with an arm. Yeah, <laughs> he's out with a knee. Instead of saying injury or he what's has the a knee. Yeah. yeah, he has, has an a knee. That's even yeah. worse. Oh. Here's a great one. At the end of the day. Yes. That one. That, that is that a one, really that good one. That one wore me out. I haven't heard that one in a while. Patrick, Patrick Peterson's in, in Minnesota now, so I haven't heard that <laughs> one in a while. We are doing our due diligence. Mm, of course. That's a good one. <laughs> Tremendous upside. Yeah. Tremendous. Tremendous upside. Yeah. We yeah. could have had we could have had a 12-round draft on Mock oh, World yeah. this week. That was Sarah's idea. Good job. Sarah. Yeah. Um, Kyler Murray, uh, we'll get back to him in a second. Uh, and I like the way you phrased it. Can't win a Super Bowl in November, but you could certainly affect your chances of winning uh, in, in November, but you could certainly uh, affect your chances of, of losing one. Uh, about the opponent this week, this out mm-hmm. there from uh, Jonathan Alexander from the Charlotte Observer, Cam Newton will meet. With the quarterback needy Carolina Panthers, per three sources, holy from Jonathan cow. Alexander, you we'll, can go home again. We will talk. Uh, you can go home. Oh, again. oh, well done, Jarrett. Salmon shorts. <laughs> I think Cam Newton <laughs> would be a fan of those salmon shorts. By the way, uh, we will talk to David Newton from ESPN.com, who covers the Panthers, coming up at eight uh, thirty today. Uh, so we'll get the latest on that. See if there's any new developments. Uh, Kyler Murray, day-to-day, as he put it, uh, but he's made crazy strides in terms of... This is... Oh, man. The more I think about this, the more um, juicy it gets when it comes right. to decision-making and feeling like maybe you've got a little bit of a buffer zone because of the play mm-hmm. of Colt McCoy last week yep. and how he carried out a game plan um, you know, that was conservative but still very productive, over 400 yards of offense with a conservative game plan. Uh, if I'm Cliff Kingsbury and I'm looking at the opponent 
again, not to diminish Carolina, that's a struggling football team right now, but you would, just on that front alone, if, if Kyler Murray wasn't available to you in mm-hmm. any way this week, you'd feel comfortable going with Colt McCoy against yeah. the Panthers. And yeah, I think you that it probably affects the decision-making this week. If Kyler Murray returns this week, Colt McCoy will step back and he's going to have a glow about him that backup quarterbacks only dream about. The guys that get the opportunity, come up with a great win, and then fade back into the background. And now everybody loves him even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're on to something. I, I, I think if this is indeed a high ankle sprain, that th- these crazy strides Kyler is describing, they this might be deception. This might be kind of throwing curveballs to Carolina, just making the uh, really... Okay, that kind of stuff. Now it's also fair to say there's mixed reporting on whether it is or is not a high ankle sprain. Yeah, good. Thank you for clarifying that. How frustrating is that, by the way? <laughs> we, it's two weeks after the injury. We still don't know if it was a medial ankle sprain, a low ankle sprain, yeah. or a high ankle sprain, and it's been all over the place in two weeks. And it matters. It does matter for the but, conversation. But but a seasoned reporter like Laura Oakman is not going to mess that up. I mean, there's a big difference between an ankle sprain and a high ankle sprain. Whatever. Okay. I, don't, I mean, uh, now we're, we're splitting okay, hair. Whatever. Would you call Adam Schefter an experienced reporter? Because <laughs> he's been screwing up a lot lately. That's fair. <laughs> That's a point right there. That's a great point. Okay, I take it all back. Um, yeah, listen, I, I, I think that in the case of no matter what it is, okay, that might be a really good decision to make this week. Is just to again, if 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 this thing is going to become a game time decision, then there should not be a decision at all, in my opinion, because I am confident you can yeah. beat that Carolina team with Colt McCoy. They they started that game against the Forty ers in rhythm. It wasn't like they had to spend a lot of time finding it, which is really encouraging. Yeah. I, uh... I agree with that, and I have confidence in seeing what happened. But but again, everything went so according to plan mm-hmm. for the Cardinals. Could the turnovers they forced? Could yep. Colt McCoy um, do the same? You know, could you get the same result if if the path to it wasn't the same? Mm-hmm. Could Colt McCoy bring you back? Could Colt McCoy make a big throw in a tight game on a, on a crucial third down? Uh, we don't know that yet. Because, again, everything went so smoothly against yeah, San Francisco. Uh, how do you shut down that running game? We've seen it now three times. The Cardinals doing that by forcing turnovers and jumping on an opponent early and basically making an opponent, you know, Tennessee, Cleveland, San Francisco, their running attack an afterthought uh, because they, they, they couldn't do it to get back in the game. Um, I'm still, all that said, I'm still leaning towards without knowing what crazy strides mm-hmm. means and how mm-hmm. far away Kyler Murray is, I would still lean towards playing Colt McCoy this yeah. week. It, it just sounds like it makes sense because you've got a game against Seattle the following week. That game is in Seattle. That game you probably do need Kyler Murray to win, I think. But then again, who knows anymore? Um, but it's also going to be the, the, the whole picture of the division is going to sh- uh, shift again. This weekend, you've got the Rams playing the 49ers in Santa Clara on Monday night, and you've got the Packers and the Seahawks going at it. You've got Russell Wilson, who has been sort of giddy tweeting for the last week and a half about it's coming, it's time, Mm -hmm. you know, pulling up his own stage, if you will, which is something Russ likes to do. So there's going to be some attrition and you got to consider all of this stuff. By the way, did you on Russell Wilson, did you see the the quote from the doctor? 
who uh, examined Russell Wilson and and you know it was after Wilson announced that he was coming back and I I got to pull it up and find it but right the gist of it was I've never seen as severe a, a, an injury to a quarterback's throwing hand in all my years of doing this I have I, the graphic here do you yeah do you want the whole thing yeah okay uh, from Doctor Steve Shin. On October 7th, 2021, Russell Wilson sustained severe injuries to the middle finger of his throwing hand during a game. He had immediate surgery the following day in the form of a repair of a fractured dislocation of his <clears throat> proximal interphalangeal joint. Well done. There we go. Well done. And Watch an extensor tendon rupture. Although this was uncharted territory, I have never in my career seen such a severe injury to the throwing hand of an NFL cornerback. Excuse me, quarterback. I also have never encountered a player so committed to his post-operative <laughs> therapy and with so much conviction to return to the same, if not better, level of performance as he had pre-injury. Last sentence, I am absolutely amazed at his progress, so much so that I can now confidently clear him for a full return to play without reservation. Wow, is his doctor also his agent? <laughs> Sounds That's like crazy. It. Sounds like it. Russell Wilson, just a marvel. <laughs> we'll find out. World beater, Russell uh, Wilson. Coming up next, uh, the Suns continue to stack up wins despite some weirdness happening off the court, but... Those wins don't make the -the off-the-court stuff go away. We'll get into some of it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Here's Cam Johnson. Takes it to the rim. Can't get him. Kaminsky with the follow-up on the rebound. And Kaminsky knocks it down. That ties his career high with 27 points. I, I still don't think it's really hit me yet, but um, it's just like I said last time. You know, it's just a mindset. Go out there and play as hard as you can. Be ready for anything. You never know when your opportunities are going to come, so you got to make the most of them. And I'm just trying to make the most of my opportunity here. So, you know, it all just goes into preparation and staying ready and keeping the same mental approach to every day. Um, try to stay level, never too high, never too low, and just keep going with that. Yeah, it was Frank Kaminsky night last night at uh, Footprint Center. Suns win by 10 over Portland. Kaminsky, uh, and you heard Al McCoy and Tim Kempton on the call, he added four more points. Career-high 31 points off the bench for Kaminsky. Obviously uh, very instrumental in the win, especially on a night where Devin Booker contributed, but not so much in scoring or shooting. 5 of 15 from the floor, only 12 points yep. for Booker. But uh, they they get the win, and a lot of it had to do with Frank Kaminsky getting pressed into even expanded minutes. No DeAndre Ayton, but JaVale McGee was in foul trouble a lot of that yeah. game, and Kaminsky answered the bell. Yeah, and we said earlier, the combined scoring line among the centers for the Phoenix Suns <laughs> was 45 points, 15 rebounds, uh-huh. and that's without DeAndre Ayton. That's amazing. What a great story. What a great night for Frank. 31 points. It, it's, it's just awesome. And I, I want to share lo- this. I love this story. I really do. I want to share this again because Frank Kaminsky did a lot of reflecting on where he is now and what he had to go through to get here. And again, remember, this was a guy who was a legend in college at Wisconsin for very good teams, Ooh. National Player of the Year, uh, and kind of found himself maybe on the outs. You know, this past couple off-seasons, free agencies have been tough. Um, there's no mistake about it. I mean, I was within a threat of not being on a team two years ago. Um, Sacramento waived me. Um, you know, I got a call from Phoenix that said, we're going to claim you on waivers, we're going to bring you back, which, you know, for me was everything. 
Um, I never wanted to leave in the first place. It's just, it was a weird free agency. I was coming off an injury, um, didn't play well in the bubble, didn't know what was going to happen. So um, I just told myself last year, make the most of the opportunity. When your number's called, be ready every single time. And this offseason um, kind of felt the same situation. Um, not a lot of teams wanted me. You know, you hear a lot of things about yourself that are hard to swallow. Um, and, you know, I've fallen into the trap before of thinking that I have to prove everyone else wrong instead of proving myself right. And that's a big thing for me this year is just I want to be who I think that I am and just go out there and prove it to myself, not let anyone else dictate, you know, what's going to happen with me. You know, my career and my life is in my hands and I want to make the most of it. And that conversation with coach, you know, it kind of changed my approach to a lot of things. Um, he was He was truthful. He was honest. He told me, you know, how much he appreciates me and how much he believes in me. And that's all I was looking for. So that's why I had the opportunity to go somewhere else and I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay right here because this is where I feel the best. And, and it's all it's all about feeling and being comfortable and knowing what to expect every single day. And that's a big thing. That's such good stuff from Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, to follow up that performance with that quote is pretty, pretty great. And just look at it this way before we move on to, to some other stuff in Suns land. Consider what would have happened if Damian Jones played better in the preseason last year. Yeah. The Suns had brought him in to be kind of the backup big, and it didn't work out, and he was gone quickly. And Frank Kaminsky just happened to be waived by Sacramento right? and was available. And because of familiarity, the Suns brought him back, mm-hmm. and, and now they're getting the, the benefits of it. Yeah. Pretty cool story. I think it's great. It does not wash away the other stuff that's going on with the Suns. Obviously, the investigation is on. Jason Rowley, the president and CEO of the Suns, joined Burns and Gamble yesterday and talked about the Suns welcoming the investigation. Um, There was, it it wasn't a report. It was a a comment in a conversation Mm -hmm. that Jalen Rose made on ESPN on last Friday that had everybody in Phoenix kind of buzzing. You described your reaction to it when you saw it and heard what he said about uh, maybe a casual use of a, a racial slur from Robert Sarver in terms of DeAndre Ayton. Uh, and he kind of said it matter-of-factly. There yeah. was no follow-up. There was no explanation to it. There was no. There was nothing else to it. It just kind of hung out there. Five yeah. days later, mm-hmm. ESPN addressed it. Um, and it wasn't Jalen Rose addre- no. addressing we it. We want to no. clarify a comment that was made on this program last Friday. When we were discussing the Robert Sarver controversy, Jalen Rose made a comment that when it's time to pay DeAndre Ayton and you're calling him a lazy N-word, what's going to now happen is it's going to affect your product on the floor. As mentioned previously, Jalen is out of the country this week, but he wants us to make clear that he did not mean to suggest that Sarver actually spoke those words. And to be clear, ESPN has never reported that Sarver used those words to describe DeAndre Ayton. Jalen used those words to try to express his personal opinion that the way Sarver handled Ayton's contract situation was demeaning to a black player and would be perceived that way by other black players. Jalen recognizes it was a mistake, and we apologize for the miscommunication. Look, I think the initial... uh offering from Jalen Rose was weird. 
Uh-huh. The fact that five days later, the worldwide leader in sports finally got around to addressing it is weird. Mm-hmm. The fact that it wasn't Jalen Rose, who's out of the country, is uh, weird. It, you know, it, it, uh, being out of the country is not a barrier to communicating. Not anymore, m- it via isn't. Via mass media. Not anymore, it isn't. You it, could the have whole thing was out. weird. You could have gone on a Zoom. You could have released your own statement. That is very, very odd to me. So what I think happened is uh, the Suns called him on it and said, listen, your guy dropped something real heavy against Robert Sarver. You either substantiate that or you retract that. And at that point in time, ESPN did what they did. They had Stephen A. Smith deliver an apology on behalf of Jalen Rose, who could have addressed this in his own way, any of number of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that to be very interesting. I, I really do. And it's it, to me, it's I, I want to hear Jalen Rose explain this out of his own mouth. And and I want to hear and I want to see DeAndre Ayton back on the basketball court and I want to see DeAndre Ayton asked about this to see uh, is this something that is uh, in your attention yes or no are you aware of this does this bother you and if he goes absolutely not then let's close the book on this but it, it, to me this is when Jalen Rose said that because he he created a found, a level of foundation of credibility by saying I played in that organization I'm not going to act like this is the first time I've heard things like this so that added a weight to what he then described but it and got very specific it did it got it very did. specific and I know there's a lot of people listening right now and I see it every day on social media and, and a lot of people for whatever their reason is and, and I'm not asking you what your reason is. They have the pitchforks out for Robert Sarver. We know this investigation is happening, but very much like somebody on trial. Mm-hmm. You're innocent until proven guilty. There's a lot that has to happen. Um, so to throw that out there, and, and I, I think that's a perfect way to put it, is, is they got some heat, and they they, retru- they backtracked on it. Right. And it was a week, almost a week later. It, yeah. it, it was it, very strange. Yeah. It shows the danger of just throwing stuff out there. If that's what he did. Now, if if somebody had told him that, then that person obviously chose no. Don't get. I'm not getting involved in this. I'm not. Ba- that, I'm not and that's a possibility too. I'm not backing that up. Yeah, it doesn't just mean that Jalen Rose lied. No, of course not. But lawyers get involved. You gotta. Mm-hmm. But the way it was presented, now with what we know, it was very unfair in the way that it was presented it, in it was real just, time. Yeah, tossed out that, there. That, yeah, that's something that has to be. Yes, substantiated, absolutely. and it wasn't. And you're right that that element of it is un- definitely unfair. Uh, want to uh, let you know that uh, you can always text the uh, FanDuel text line on your thoughts on anything that we talk about on the show. It's open at six twenty, six twenty right now. Coming up next, Carolina Panthers coming to town on Sunday. Might they have their all-time greatest player back in the fold by then? We'll get into that more next. David Newton, who covers the Panthers for ESPN.com, straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on this Thursday, coming to you live from the Auction Community Studios. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Jarrett Carlin, Sarah Cazell with you until 10 o'clock. Then we hand things off to uh, Wolf and Luke. Uh, Calling an audible... David Newton from ESPN.com had to call an audible mm-hmm. uh, with news that uh, his cousin, Cam, might be back in the <laughs> fold with uh, the Carolina Panthers. Too much stuff going on, so we're, uh, we, we won't be able to catch up right. with David Newton right, right now. But that is, if, in case you're just joining us, uh, apparently there's talks going on between Cam Newton, the free agent quarterback, and the quarterback-hungry Carolina Panthers. Yeah, that should tell you all you need to know about P.J. Walker. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, 
they liked him enough to make him the backup, but confidence level in him as a as an NFL starter. Running through a whole game? Yeah. yeah. The ups and downs of a football game? Yeah. I don't see that happening. Look, even yeah. if, if, if Cam goes back to Carolina, you would not hit, expect him to factor into this week's storyline, no, would, would you? Not. No, I would not, no. Not no. for a guy who's been on the sidelines but as long as he but, has. But it, but it's a, but it's a, it's a nice story. I mean, it's, it's a guy that that means an awful lot or meant an awful lot to that city going back there mm-hmm. when no one else wants him. Who also did not leave on the best of yeah. terms and circumstances. Well, and, sort of forced out of town. Yeah. is we, he the greatest Carolina Panther of all time? Steve Smith, Julius Peppers. I Julius think Steve Peppers. Smith is probably one. Julius Peppers was pretty good too. Cam Newton, though, won an MVP. And Luke Keekley! And was the but face. But he wouldn't jump on a fumble in the Super Bowl. Thomas Jerry. Davis. Christian McCaffrey. Jake DeLome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tim Biakabatuka. <laughs> Who was the uh, quarterback when they first came in the league and they were they were pretty decent? Um, Steve Berline. Was Steve Berline. Yeah. Former Cardinal, Steve Berline. Yeah. So there you go. That's uh, that's quite interesting. Now locally, this is this is even more interesting because if you frame the journey of of Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury in the long view, Mark Dalton, PR guy from the Cardinals, tweeted this out today. Uh, where they were at the end of the 2018 season when the Cardinal offense hit rock bottom. I mean, rock bottom. Mm-hmm. We all lived it. We all saw it. And through nine games in 2021, and his tweet was basically. There's a reason Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are leading contenders for Coach of the Year and MVP. They came to Arizona after the 2018 season to revive the team's offense. This is where the offense finished in 18 versus where it is now. Total points in 2018, 32nd in the league, dead last. (laughs) Today, first overall. And they already have more points through nine games this year than they had the entire 2018 season. And it's not even close. They had 225 points. (laughs) All right, big plays described as 25 or more yards. 30th in 18, first in 21. Big plays passing, 25 yards more through the air. 30th in 2018, first currently. Fourth down percentage dead last in 2018, first by a mile in 21 with an 88.9% conversion rate. Games with 30 or more points dead last in 2018. They had none of them. You'll get nothing and like it. First this year with seven of them. Game with three or more touchdowns dead last in 2018, first in 2021. Games with four or more touchdowns tied for 29th in 18, first in 21 games with 400 plus yards and 30 plus points tied for 30th in 2018 with zero first in 21 with five finally touchdowns 31st in 2018 tied for first in 2021 and again more touchdowns already but seven more touchdowns already through nine games than they had in 16 back in 2018 it is fascinating Mm -hmm. um and it, it it seems like it was a hundred years ago mm-hmm. that we were talking about that just wretched twenty eighteen Arizona Cardinals team. Yeah, but it also I, I wanted to bring this up, and I haven't I haven't um, I don't know if you heard it or uh, what your thoughts on it are. But I was listening to Burns and Gambo the other day, and um, there was noise, a little bit of noise in twenty nineteen, Vance Joseph's first year as defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, and there was some you know. Disgruntled fans were like, "Ah, Vance is not he's not the answer." And and we were critical of Vance Joseph after year 1. Yes. And 
the where we were with the Arizona Cardinals at that point was all right. They were just coming off a year where they fired their offensive coordinator. How many games into the season? Mike McCoy lasted how long? Not even half the season. No, they they went to Byron Leftwich, and you just read a lot of the results of that offense. Mm-hmm. They decided to fire Steve Wilkes in the off season. But Gambo uh, and and they were having the conversation. Burns and Gambo were about you know you got to give coaches time, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's as universal as that anymore in the NFL. And I actually texted Burnsy after I, I listened to that conversation, and I said, yeah, that makes sense. And, and obviously they're getting the dividends from showing patience with Vance Joseph because the last two years he's been fantastic as defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So much to the point where you think he's going to get a head coaching job. But I said, where was the patience with Mike McCoy? Where was the patience with Steve Wilkes? It's, a combina- it's not just results anymore that will buy a coach time in the NFL. It's results mixed with confidence that you could turn this thing around. Yeah. And that's where it went south there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know what the conversations were like with the Cardinals, Brass, and, and Vance Joseph after that first year, but whatever those conversations were, there was confidence displayed somewhere in that, okay, this is the guy that can turn this around. And mm-hmm. like I said, they're, they're, they're benefiting from that now. The, and, uh, and, and, yeah. and you see it offensively as well. Uh, and we both, we weren't alone. Cliff Kingsbury was on a hot seat going in. Maybe the hottest seat in the NFL, and, and nobody's talking about it now because this uh, this team has completely turned it around. As somebody who advised the Cardinals to remove Cliff Kingsbury after the 2020 season, I have already said I will be first in line to say I was wrong. There is one other media member in town who did the same, and I'm sure he feels the same way. Um, so... What you're saying is that is absolutely correct. When you've got somebody who is really good at their job, you 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 weather the highs and lows with them. And I think that definitely applies to Steve Kime. Mm-hmm. I think Steve Kime um, has had periods where he's been excellent. He built a team that won 50 games in five years, and then he really hit a valley. And he made a lot of mistakes, and he butchered a couple of different rosters, and he butchered a few drafts. Okay, but now he's kind of got his mojo back. In the last two years, he's delivered. This isn't just this year. Last year, he gave Cliff Kingsbury a playoff-worthy team. Now, so in in the case of that, Steve Keim is an example of you stick with good people, even though conventional wisdom says a GM has to be fired if you're not have a winning record in five years, or a GM can't go through three different head coaches. You, you, you throw all that stuff out the window, and if you believe in the people you have, then you stick with them. That's a powerful reminder to me and to a lot of people. As it relates to Cliff Kingsbury, I think Cliff has grown dramatically. I, there is a reason why. It wasn't just the collapse. It was the, it was the how. It was what it looked like. Mm-hmm. It was the play-calling malfeasance. All of it made me really think... This is too big for him. The NFL is too much for this man. To his credit, he has changed his offense entirely. And I think Steve Keim deserves a lot of credit for filling in for Cliff Kingsbury's blind spots. The stuff that he that stuff that is not traditional NFL head coach timber, I think Steve Keim helped fortify that. But I also think Cliff Kingsbury deserves a lot of credit for putting together everything. The stuff he brought with him from college and the lessons he's learned in the first two years, and he's making it happen. He, if he, he, he is now, according to Kyle Odegaard, the betting favorite to be the NFL coach of the year. And again, he's got to finish the job because that's the one thing. That's yeah. the thing that's still out there. And if he does, then he deserves 
everything that's coming to him. Yeah, and I, I agree with the those odds right now because as I see it, coach of the year in the NFL, uh, there's a formula that goes into it. It's results mixed with what have you overcome as a coach to get to that level of results. The results are obviously there. They get the best record in the NFL, and they've overcome a lot. I mean, yeah. a, a coach missing a game, mm-hmm. how many teams can make the claim that I think there's three NFL coaches that have actually missed a game day over the past two seasons. Stefanski, Cliff Kingsbury, and Matt Nagy. I think that's it. Um, The Cardinals won that game because of the work that Cliff Kingsbury put in away from uh, the team. They've overcome injuries. Um, They've overcome to this point playing in what most people thought was the the toughest division in football. Right now, he should be the favorite for Coach of the Year. I totally agree with that. No, I agree. Text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line on that, 620-620. It's open all the time. You can do that uh, right now. Coming up next... Uh, some other NFL storylines to get into, including that uh, taunting discussion that won't go away. We'll get into that and more straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. In Chicago versus Pittsburgh, Bears number 59 is penalized for taunting. He takes several steps toward the Pittsburgh bench, posturing toward their sideline. Taunting is a point of emphasis to promote sportsmanship and respect for opponents. This was recommended by the competition committee and coaches. Dad! Billy's (laughs) posturing toward me! (laughs) Make him stop! Uh (laughs) Right. Welcome to the NFL, the League of Hurt Feelings. The League of uh, Reading Body Language now. Perry Fuel, the uh, Senior Vice President of Officiating, explaining the call that people are still talking about. As we head into Week 10 tonight. With Monday night, or excuse me, Thursday night football, Baltimore and Miami. Everybody's still talking about Monday night, Chicago and Pittsburgh. Cassius Marsh sacks Ben Roethlisberger, uh, does a celebration. Uh, how a karate kick celebration is viewed okay, but looking at a sideline is not okay, will never make sense to me. No. But it does make sense to some people. Referenced it earlier today. Max Starks. He's on the uh, on the radio station all the time. He's taken on a, a, a role on the Pittsburgh Steelers broadcast team. Of course, a longtime Pittsburgh Steeler. Mm-hmm. So he was on the sideline when that right. all happened. They benefited from the taunting rule. Keep they, that in mind. They absolutely did. Mike Tomlin came out and said, yeah, we're trying to clean up our game. I, I yeah. back this rule. I'm uh-huh. part of the competition uh-huh. committee that, that, that pushed for this rule because, you know, it was such a huge problem. I, I couldn't sleep at night in the offseason. <laughs> the sport that I grew up loving was just tainted by taunting. Yeah. Oh, you know, right. Tainted by taunting. I like that. Very well done, Vinny. Uh, Max Starks joined uh, Wolf and Luke yesterday, Um, and you know he he he's kind of in line with Mike Tom. Actually, very much in line with with Mike Tomlin. Uh, Here was Max Starks explaining in his words why Cassius Marsh got flagged on the play. As a guy who wants to exact revenge on everybody that has scorned me, I feel Cassius Marsh, (laughs) but at the same time. He took steps towards the sideline. He went out of his way to look at the bench and flex, right? You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like it was in the moment right after it's done. He's like, ah, flexing, right? You know, blind rage. No, it was more intentional than that. And I think that's kind of where, as I've had to dissect this, because I was on the sidelines, I was there when it happened, and trying to understand what it was, and then everybody tried to make a deal out of the hip check. He also turned towards the referee and was running in the direction of the referee. Every time I've always done it, I don't run towards the ref when anything's going to happen. Unless, unless it's the umpire when they used to stand in the, in the middle of the pile in the box and you're trying to drive a guy uh, 10 yards downfield. Yes, an umpire might get hit in that situation. But he, there was the, the little bit of extra. 
And that that's what I think was why it got flagged. I, look, Max, uh, I, I respect him a lot. I disagree with him on this. Yeah. And I, I think also the status of the player. Who was doing what he was doing at the time he was doing it was considered in all of it. And it was Cassius yeah, Marsh, who's right. not a household name. Nope. If it was somebody who was a bigger star, uh, you know, making those same gestures or posturing the same way, it's probably not called. Roger Sherman put put uh, out a great piece on the ringer. There's been 27 taunting penalties called. Um, and he has his top five most ridiculous uh, mm-hmm. of the taunting fouls. And mm-hmm. this is something that gets talked about every week. Taunting was not talked about on a weekly basis last year before no, this rule was in place. Not. And now it's talked about every yeah. week. Created a problem is yeah. what the NFL did. Shut up, Jared. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Created a problem. Shut up, Jared. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This is just, it's infuriating. It's maddening. And, and I really wonder who got so uptight about this issue and why. Because you go back and you follow the chronology of this. Rich McKay, who's the president of the Falcons, claims that the NFL PA came to them and this was their number one concern. The dude who plays center for the Cleveland Browns, I keep forgetting his name. J.C. Treader. That's him. He now runs, he's the president of the NFLPA. He said, that's not true. We would get rid of this in a heartbeat, remove this as a point of emphasis immediately. So again, I ask... What is the motive behind this awful rule that can be just absolutely ripe for corruption? Absolutely. Tony Corrente, for whatever reason, instigated, that's the fifth time I've tumbled on that word today, instigated (laughs) contact with Cassius Marsh. Cassius, okay, you know, I'm just going home. Wolf and Luke up next. We'll catch you tomorrow morning here on oh! 887 Arizona Sports. Yeah. Try right. saying pass rusher Cassius Marsh. <laughs> pass rusher Cassius Marsh. Right. <laughs> so, again, this is just, it. this is really, to me, it's heinous because Hold you're on. asking football players, some of these taunting penalties have been bizarre. Like you said, posturing? You're worried about who's being offended yeah. on a football field? Yeah, we're getting to that point now where you're going to see the flag. The referee's going to turn the mic on. Posturing. Yeah. Number 59 on the defense. That's a 15-yard penalty. Automatic first down. It, it, it's ridiculous. You, way, you as a PA guy, you hear the amount of trash talking that goes on in the NBA. Do you think the officials care about that? It's part of the game. It's the energy exchange that happens from professional athletes at the highest level. Mm-hmm. On a side note, do you think Cassius Marsh's parents, before they signed the birth certificate, actually said the name Cassius <laughs> Marsh out loud? <laughs> it is hard to say. It's a well, cool name. Yeah, it is. It's hard to say, though. Right, it is. You ever see the movie On Golden Pond? Henry, oh, yeah. Henry yeah. Fonda? Yeah. Um, Catherine Hepburn's name in that movie, her character's name was Ethel Thayer. And Henry Fonda (laughs) has a line in the movie, Ethel Thayer, sounds like I'm lisping, doesn't it? (laughs) Pass rusher is that one. And Russell Westbrook. I can't say pass rusher and I can't say Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. I think (laughs) that is is a tough one. Yeah. Um, I think you should just call him T.O. Westbrook. Yeah. The whole politi- politi- <laughs> oh, God, <here> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <laughs> the 
Today, Junior. We are stumbling toward the finish line this week, folks. True. And we're not going to hide it. No. No. <laughs> Couldn't if we wanted to. No, yeah. right. Good point. Well, I'm comfortable with it as long as we acknowledge it, right? <laughs> That's right. We will get there eventually. <laughs> yes. Uh, coming up next, we've got uh, a look at things going on on uh, Bickley underscore Murata on Twitter. It's social studies with Sarah Cazell. It's uh, Dan Bickley, Sweatpants <laughs> Vinny, Salmon Shorts and the Ruthless here on oh, 98.7 like FM, it. Arizona Sports Salmon Station. Salmon Shorts and the Ruthless.